0: Thank you for joining us on a Morley podcast with Tony May. Morley podcast is purpose built for America. Through our military veterans and military supporters, we show that the values and qualities that built this country, such as service, sacrifice, respect, and faith are not dead. And Morley podcast builds community so individuals can improve their communities. Welcome to this week's edition of A More Elite Podcast with Tony Main coming from the St. Luke Ranger Outreach Center in beautiful Columbus, Georgia. We have a great guest who'll be dialing in here momentarily, John P.K. Kelly. And John is a 275 2nd Ranger Battalion Ranger veteran who's now making the Dallas-Fort Worth area home. He's had a long journey in a short time period from his transition to franchise ownership. And he's gonna tell you a little bit about that. This is a man that is Mr. Cowboy hat to many of us. P.K., thanks for making the time. We know that you're busy with your franchise. You got a lot of things going on during the work week, let alone the weekend. So thank you for joining us.
1: Yeah, no problem. I'm glad to be here. And uh, as always, it was good to see you in Texas not too long ago. So, but how are things going for you?
0: Man, we're doing great. We're doing well. Very, very busy. I think, like most people, heading into uh, what will be a busy, busy Veterans Day time. I think when you say active in the community, this is kind of like your Daytona 500 Super Bowl uh, period all rolled into one. And we're excited. We'll actually um, have a, a Ranger Longhorn tailgate prior to the UT Kansas game at. Uh, down there in Austin. So we're looking forward to that. People can find out more information on that through uh, Gallant Few Rangers. Super excited for that. What are your plans for Veterans Day, PK?
1: I will uh, actually be speaking at the uh, Trophy Club Memorial Day or uh, Veterans Day service um, there. I spoke last year or this this year at Memorial Day service uh, about some Rangers and uh, another uh, soldier that I escorted home and then uh, this time I'll actually be speaking about my time in uh, Ranger Regiment and uh, things like that.
0: That's that's outstanding. And what we want to do today, though, we want we want to kind of tell the story of how to, how you got to where you are now. But let's start kind of with the end in mind. Let's tell everybody a little bit what you're doing now.
1: Uh, so I, it's, it's a long long story. The short version is I finally was in the uh, the right place at the right time and. Uh, and wound up, I went to work for a guy after I moved back to Texas that owned uh, Kitchen Tune-Up. Uh, and then a whopping 52 days later, he wanted to get out of it. And uh, and so I had the opportunity to purchase uh, the business. And that's when um, I started Orange Diamond Remodeling Solutions um, that holds Kitchen Tune-Up. And now I also own Bath Tune-Up as well.
0: All right. So franchise ownership. What was your background that kind of led for led to that? Other than, other than having some experience in the construction remodeling industry to make that jump, to wanna to be a franchise owner, was that more of just your mentality or what did you do before you made that decision that caused you to make that jump?
1: Mm, well, it was one of the, I had a, uh, a business in the remodeling industry in Fayetteville while I was a uh, police officer. Um, and it was part, the thing that the franchises do give you is access to material um, and suppliers much easier than if you're just the, the little little guy, the business owner, um, because now you have strength in numbers because there's 200 uh, franchises across the country. And so we're all using the same suppliers, which brings our costs down, which in turn helps, in return, helps us get more jobs because of, of our pricing and um, and things like that. And it's also just, we are, we're able to warranty stuff too for an extended amount of time that most remodeling companies can't.
0: And talk, you talked to me in Texas a little bit about why the kitchen and bath industry. And as someone, I'm just, I, I'm not that worldly, right? I'm a, I'm a knuckle-driver ranger. I like Miller Lite and I like to watch sports, right? Like I'm a pretty, pretty simple guy, I go to church on Sunday, right? But But what is it about that industry when you were looking at it? kind of focused you in on that kitchen and bath?
1: It was really because the kitchen is the heart of the home for one. It's where everything happens. Um, But it's also the two kitchens and baths are the two main areas of the house that need work. Um, And every 10 to 20 years, um, just about it in some form, a kitchen or a bathroom is going to get touched. Um, But also uh, it's where the money's at in the house. So if you look at, at the home, that's where the majority of your electrical, your majority of your plumbing, but it's also where the, the detailed work, cabinetry and uh, and tile work, that's where it's all done.
0: So when you look at not just major appliances that go into like a kitchen, which costs a pretty penny if you want good appliances, if you want to resell your home, isn't that kind of where realtors to tell you to kind of look, look at as well? Um, not,
1: and most of the time, you know, my better half now is a, as a real estate agent, but that's when, where they make the decision is if they like the home or not, it's typically in the kitchen. So um, that's, that's part of it. Um, That's definitely the main, when you walk through a house, if the kitchen's not functional for you or your family, you're probably not going to buy it. Um, And in this particular market in Dallas, Fort Worth, very similar to, Uh, military installations. You just have a lot of people moving in and out, Um, especially how close I am to the airport. There's a lot more turnover uh, in homes than in other places.
0: So tell me then, what are some of the lessons learned then, good and bad, in terms of this franchise ownership? What what would you have done the same? What would you do different? And really, in in terms of this is an advice that you would give to others looking looking to, to get into business. Um, like franchise, it's kind of like quasi for yourself. It's for yourself, but there's still right. responsibilities. Yeah. You know, I would say
1: the biggest my biggest takeaway probably from is not being afraid to hire people. So like I I really struggle with handing stuff off. Like I'm I'm one of those that I would It's easier for me that if I just go do it than it is for me to try to tell somebody to do it and then they screw it up or whatever the case may be. But a lot of times it's, especially in like, I just, I find I would find myself fixing other issues that shouldn't have been an issue. And maybe that's just the standards too high. And that I have run across that where my standard is here and then everybody else's is a little bit lower and that happens quite a bit as far as employees are concerned, but you can find the right ones. You just can't be afraid to hire. And, and if it works great, if it doesn't, uh, it is what it is. I mean, I'm going through it right now. So, um, with a project manager that I hired and it just didn't work out. So it's, I mean, it's all good. I mean, I wish him the best, but it, it, it is, it's what happens.
0: Well, as a, as an HR, with someone with an HR background, like that idea of talent management—the idea that you're going to get the right people for the right team It's like a Super Bowl-winning team. They turn over the next year too. Like that—that that is going to be the Braves just winning the World Series. Look at the—they right. didn't turn over their employees, right? They—they they wouldn't have a team to finish the season, let alone right. win. So I think that that's something that's harder for military folks too, because we don't. Our profession was our identity. Right in our identity, then a reflection of our work. It was never just a job.
1: Right. Well, and and to take like with all the veteran business owners that I know, we all kind of have the similar mentality of taking the bull by the horns, and and that's where like I find myself working too much and or staying up late working when I should be sleeping or, and things like that. So where I would probably be much more effective the next day, but I just, I can't help myself. It just, it happens, but I just, I can't stop myself from not doing it. So, um, but that's, you know, there's, there's always things to work on, but that's probably my biggest takeaway is that. And then, um, you know, I started it from scratch. I didn't take out a big business. I didn't take out half a million dollar business loan to start it or, or anything like that. I used what I had and, uh, went out and, and sold and sold and sold and then worried about production on the back end. And then, you know, if you don't have the sales, then you're not going to have a production team anyway. So it was one of, it was one of those that um, it worked out well. Um, I took some of the, I kept retained some of the guys for a while that the other owner had, I kept them on and, uh, and then let them go. Uh, and that worked out well for a while for sure.
0: As you were getting this started and going, obviously, you've got to put in the time, right? You've got to have that for sale. You've got to do a good job to get that review to build. Did Have you found or did you look for, whether it be um, local, um, existing organizations, was there anything that kind of provided you some mentorship in, in, in terms of business acumen or was that through family or where did that come in?
1: Yeah, it... it it was part even through, you know, gallant fuse network that I had some, some mentors, but it was also um, I'm a part of this veterans business circles that that I was a part of before that's here locally. And so there were guys my age, uh, some of them that I'm really close friends with now um, that we all, you know, we would share, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly with each other. And, and have lunch on a regular basis and things like that, but um, it it takes a while. Like from the time October seventeenth, I was at the state fair on a on a business development thing when the when everything went down, and he told me he was going to shut it shut it down. And uh, from there, I immediately started making phone calls, and um, and then it took about a month and a half from the time that that happened the time that i signed the contract with kitchen tune-up corporate uh to to own it it was about a month and a half because i had to have everything set up on my end um and then it was it was it was just a, it was a longer process than i expected it to be but uh but a lot of that was federal regulations they they require you once you receive a, what they call the franchise disclosure documents that show financials and all sorts of different stuff you have a required wait period uh so they don't want it's it's just a requirement so that you don't they don't just go out and target franchises just to have people pour in the franchise fee without really thinking things through and so you 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 retain that for i think it was a minimum of like 15 or 16 days and uh from the time we received that 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 i had to sign off on it so but it was uh it was quite the quite the experience but uh the the business side of things is new to me because i didn't i didn't have a business degree didn't have an mba or any of that but there's so much out there online and i'm a fairly avid reader um and so i studied a lot a whole lot especially early i just read and read and read and read and uh and i still do that i mean there's always um even for my employees now i i send them i email them something whether it's a book like i have books at the at my office now for them but i uh whether it's a book or something i send them an email they spend the first 30 minutes of every day on professional development and so i try to do the same thing i spend even though mine's not always first thing in the morning or or it may be later or in the evening, but I always try to spend at least 30 minutes reading about something that makes me better at what I do, whether it's, you know, business mind minded stuff or it's just the craft in general. Like I'm a carpenter by trade, so I can sit there and watch videos on carpentry tricks and tips and stuff for hours or, or looking at different projects online and stuff like that. I can do that all day, but I just don't have the time for it sure
0: so investing in yourself and then taking some time to invest in your team members when when did when did that kind of take hold when is that was that something that that comes from family was that something from the the military uh
1: i would say both uh it was kind of ingrained in me i mean even in you know the i'm not a micromanager in any way shape or form a lot of that has to do with the leadership that i was around in the military and at Hargrave Military Academy before I joined the military. Uh, Cause I went through the Colin Powell leadership school and stuff like that. I've just never been a micromanager. I'll give, I'll give everybody the list of here's what needs to happen. Just, I'm not big on telling people how it has to happen. Cause I really don't care as long as it gets taken care of and it's up to the standard. It's all I care about how they do. It doesn't bother me. Just as long as it, it's up to the standard. So, um, And they know what those are those are clear uh and defined so um as long as it gets done properly i'm just not not a micromanager so it kind of started with that and that's the way my team leaders were when i first got to ranger regiment and uh second ranger battalion and squad leaders were the same way and so it just it kind of went from there and once we got our work done for the day we could go home there was nobody telling us we had to sit around and 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 you know do anything crazy. It was, we were able to leave. If we got done what we needed to, we could, we could leave. And so that's, I, I managed my business the same way.
0: Isn't it amazing how some military leaders can't look at their employees as salary employees. You're going to get the time out of them. It's going to come, especially right. in the Ranger Regiment. So let's transition back and let's, let's talk a little bit about your time in 275, kind of your, 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 your highs and lows, a very formative part of your life. Something you're very proud of to this day. Um, let's know a little bit about that
1: yeah so i uh joined the army in 2007 um got to went through rip in 2008 fall early fall of 2008 and arrived in at ranger battalion i want to say it was late october early november of uh of, of 2008 and, and left on my first deployment right before the first of the year, um, of 2009. So it kind of overlapped, but only by a few, few days, uh, we left just after, just after Christmas that year. Um, and I, I spent almost all of my time, um, with Bico. even though I was in HHC, I was attached to Bico. Uh, I loved it. Um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a lot of hard, and the old saying is true. Rip was easy compared to, to really easy compared to once I got to Ranger Battalion because every day was a was a different different challenge or a different um, everything was a competition. I guess you could say like everything was measured, uh, whether it was shooting or physical fitness or whatever it was, and. Um, and i really love that I'm, I'm extremely competitive so that that helps me a lot um and i'm not a big guy so my my platoon sergeant uh sergeant turnage awesome guy uh, i'm still in in contact with him from time to time and um he's he's great still lives in the seattle area um but he was about my size and uh and so he kind of took me under his wing and and taught me a lot and about leadership and, and, different things too. And, um, and so we had a, we had a lot of fun and, um, but I guess the best part I would say about Ranger Battalion was the, the people that it produces. And because you, you always have your pro- like, we always, you always had your problem Rangers that caused issues and you always had no matter if it's regular army or a Ranger regiment, you had those, you're just going to deal with it no different than you deal with it in business or 10% is the, is the, that number 10%, you're going to spend 90% of your time dealing with 10% of, of, of what it is. And, and, uh, and that's the way it was, but we, you know, we had a lot of fun. We, I was talking to some, some guys the other day, I'm a part of this North Texas warrior golf association and we, uh, it was pouring down rain on us when we were playing golf. And, uh, but it was a just a group of veterans and we made it fun. And I was, you know, I was thinking about that and, you know, we, we had this saying in my platoon and I'm sure it's the same across the regiment, but we embraced the suck. And, and we had a lot of other dirty terms for it and other things too, but we really embraced it. We, we made it fun because if we didn't, then it was just going to be that much worse. I mean, it was almost, essentially false motivation. But when it rained on you every day during training outside Seattle, it's it's what you had to do.
0: I was going to put that out there for those who aren't aware, Second Ranger Battalion, Tacoma, Seattle area. Um, A day without rain is is a unicorn day uh, for sure for those folks. So, but you do make the decision to leave.
1: I did. So I kind of had a plan um, regardless of of my personal life, even though I was dating somebody that was back here um, at the time, I I had a plan to go in, you know, do some, do some work, deploy, and then get out after four years. And I kind of stuck to it. Um, Now, after I got out, transition was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. So things didn't go as planned, I would say. Um, And I would say that they rarely do now that I know so much about it. I'd say they rarely ever do. Um, but that had I stayed, uh, there's no telling what would have happened, but had I stayed, I I mean, you, you re enlist once you might as well stay because now you're halfway, you're halfway there to retirement. So what's the, there was really no, um, it was one or the other. I knew if I re enlisted once I was going to be a lifer. And so, Uh, I had a plan to get out and go to college and that's, that's what I did. Um, and I, and I had a, and I went to Northwest Arkansas, home of Walmart, wound up working for them, um, for a while. Um, and, and that was, it was a great job, but I'm, you know, I'm glad I'm not a corporate America. That wasn't for me. It's not, I don't, I would say it's not for a lot of Rangers. Corporate America is not, that's why you have a lot of Ranger business owners and, uh, corporate America does not allow you to think outside the box. And, and, uh, and that's what Ranger regiment is good at. They allow you, uh, to think outside the box and they kind of train you to do that. And, um, and that's what makes Rangers good business owners or special operations guys in general. And, uh, you're, you're, you're allowed to think and corporate America doesn't want you to think they just want you to do what you're told, get your work done. And, you know do your eight to five and and collect a check and go about your day that's it and so uh and i think rangers it's you constantly want more you're always striving for more uh and i think that's also why it's very easy for even for me when i first got out that was you don't realize when you get out of the military and you're climbing the ladder and you're starting to make progress in your career and you're a ranger and you're all the you're you're everything you want and and there's more because you're a part of a team and you're part of this this greater thing that's much bigger and better than just you and yourself and then when you get out all that goes away and then you're you're fighting for yourself and you're not no matter what job you start you're a low man on the totem pole there's there's no rank or anything that's going to give you what time does? And it doesn't matter what what you come from in special operations. You're never just going to slide right into a position where you're head honcho. You're just always going to be somebody above you, and uh, and and that's what. Whether it was because I worked as a police officer for a while, mm-hmm. and and I thought for sure that I would be able to fast track and promote much faster, and that and that just wasn't the case. Um, even though I was much better trained than any other officer there, it just wasn't going to happen. So um, that is something that's very difficult to to swallow and get used to uh, when you get out. You, it's that time you have to put in the time.
0: So, so after you get out, it takes you about, in your, in your personal story, it takes you about eight years to a decade to kind of get to be where you want to be uh, different job opportunities, relationship, uh issues drowning drown some of your, your your problems and that becoming uh, a coping yeah. mechanism oh, yeah. but without stressing on those things right mm-hmm. like that, without going 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 into the novel version what are some things that got you to where you're at now that worked in terms of whether it be planning people I'll back it up. And your faith is also very big to you as well.
1: Right. It is. And I would say I'll back it all the way up to when I got out, instead of moving back to Texas, I moved to Northwest Arkansas. The only person I knew there, which is now my ex-wife, that was the only person I knew when I moved there. I didn't move to where I had uh, a support system at all to where I could. I mean, none of my friends from, Prior to the military, nobody was there. I mean, not a soul. And so that was a, a terrible, terrible mistake on my part. And if 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 I was to do it again, I would have probably gotten out and stayed either in Seattle, Tacoma, at least for a little while, till I kind of got my underneath everything underneath me, or I would have moved back to Texas those are the two decisions that I would have, I would have made one of those two decisions instead of going to Northwest Arkansas. And if I could do it over again. And, uh,
0: okay. You know, that, that's, I just had a conversation today with a, a ranger in transition a full bird colonel. Right. So we, we take all, all shapes and sizes and and, and, and that triad, you can have either the job, the money, or the location, location, your home. Like right. what is home? Like, right. it is important to have purposeful employment there's right. no disagreement there
1: well and I would say if that was work one, for
0: your home
1: that was one of the work. worst pieces of advice that I had was oh when you get out you should go on unemployment for a little bit that was a terrible decision and I and and it wasn't because I was enrolled in college at the time and I was taking a full load but I wanted more like I needed something else to do like I could have been working and gone to school or um i could have done both and uh very easily and because i had all this extra amount of time on my hands and you know a a, uh what is it a you know a bored man is a dangerous man type of thing and that was idle
0: hands or the devil's playground yeah
1: all you know all those different sayings and that's it was very true for me i was I was looking for friends in all the wrong places at a certain point in time. And when I first got out, I lost that was when I first got out, that was when, um, uh, Domay, uh, Christopher horns, uh, McPherson, like I lost all these guys that that were, I was very close to immediately after I got out instead of extending, I could have extended for that deployment and I didn't do it. And, uh, and so, like that, that really haunted me while I, when I first got out, too. And so, I had all these cards stacked stacked against me and um, made some pretty bad decisions. Uh, and part of that was just, again, it was where I was at. If I could have shifted locations, it would have been a lot different.
0: Yeah. You know, and that's why the importance of transition and helping veterans, if you can help, the further left of the boom, the further right. to the left of the transition, when military leaders understand that you got to be willing to let your best people go if they decide to go, because if they transition well, that sets the example for the other folks of, of what's possible. But let's right. dive down into your faith a little bit, because you've, only, you've always been a man of principle. I mean, that's who you are, your cowboy hat, your Mr. Texas. But what was it kind of through your challenges and your kind of like your, you know, like the Phoenix rising from the ashes of your first few years being out that kind of, kind of led you to the faith in yourself and, and where you are now.
1: Uh, I mean, to be completely honest, I really struggled with my faith um, when I was uh, not as much when I was in, in our at second bet. We had a group of us that, had a small group even on deployment. We would meet in the shoot house, and
0: um, of all places, that's great. Of by all the places,
1: way. we'd meet in the shoot house. Yeah, uh, that was the chaplain was great, uh, and as he would make his rotations, you know, across deployment, he would join us. Um, it, I struggled with my faith when I got out a lot, and the more loss that I dealt with, every like. And it wasn't, so when I got out in 2011, but in May of 2011 is when I escorted Andrew Krippner home and he was in, uh, out of the Schofield barracks in Hawaii. Um, he was only nine months into his military career. I was somewhat of a mentor to him. I knew him, uh, from through my ex-wife and we were pretty, we were really close. And, uh, he was killed, uh, up in the Kunar Valley, uh, by an IED on May 23rd. I got the call to bring him home and so went and brought him home. And then in August I got out, but, and then all of a sudden that, then I started losing guys that I had deployed with or leaders like domain. Some of these other guys that, uh, McPherson, that was my first team leader. And so like the survivor's guilt really started to eat at me. Um, But I really, really struggled with it. And I asked uh, Andy's, Andy's dad, uh, Andy Andy Krippner's dad, I asked him how he dealt with it. And he's a pastor. And, uh, and it was his only son that was killed. And, um, and so he really helped me a lot and pulled me kind of, you know, I was clinging to it. I mean, I had serious problems, and with with just faith in general. And like, you know, if God is so good, then why are these bad things happening? You know, those types of questions, are, you know, why them and not me? And I was sat there and what ifed myself for, you know, forever. And uh, and there was really no reason to. And so, um, he shifted my thinking, and then, so that helped but that didn't really happen until so that was 2011 when i got out it was a solid four years after that that shift started to happen five years really 2016 right before i got married and then i went and i've done a few things since then that even just it got a lot stronger now it's the strongest it's been um since since then and um a lot of us, you know, we like to, it's part of the, we want to, it's human nature to be someone in control of self, um, but, but we're not God and we can't control it. And so I had to let go, you know, I couldn't what if myself forever, otherwise it was just going to eat at me. Um, so I shift my thinking and even this, you know, post-traumatic stress type, survivor's guilt, whatever you want to call it. It's all of those things. And, you know, the, but the, but it was shifted that from what they call to post-traumatic growth. And how can I take the things that happened, the guys that I lost and, and one, one individual, his name's Dusty Baxley, and he's the executive director for uh, Boulder Crest. Um, And he asked me one question. He said, what would, any of those guys do if they came, if they, you had five, 10 minutes with them to sit down and they asked you how your life was. And when he, when he asked me that, um, and he said, and then he went on and asked, he said, well, what would they do? Would they tell you to sit here and sulk over their loss or would they tell you to go live your life and, and, uh, and live, live your life, essentially live your life, for them and do the best job at it that you can and so when he asked me that i really thought long and hard about it and um and it like i wouldn't say it was an instant shift in mindset but it was pretty close and it was it was pretty close to it and then uh it was a year and a half later from that conversation that i essentially and all of this is a process. It just doesn't happen immediately. It takes time. That year and a half later is when I stopped drinking. And uh, I really struggled with drinking, with, especially around anniversary dates of, of when guys died. Really struggled with it. And so October was generally a very bad month for me. Wasn't very productive. Felt like crap all the time uh, because I would just binge drink around those anniversary dates every year and uh, and then in 2019 i quit i stopped drinking. july of 2019 i stopped drinking completely and uh and i haven't had anything since and um and now it's those days those dates and everything i don't one i don't feel bad every day but uh but i'm productive but i also it's more about i reflect on them and, you know, what would you do today type of thing instead of, you know, having a, a bottle on my hand of whatever it was or wanted it to be. Usually I would pick up whatever it was that they would drink if, you know, if so. So um, but when I stopped that, I actually because I, I knew it was going to be a challenge for me. I actually sat down and wrote a new a mission statement for or a mission statement for me. Like individually, like my personal mission statement. And I put it up on, on my mirror in my bathroom so I could see it every time I went, you know, brush my teeth. night. I saw it, got ready in the morning. I saw it. And that was was it essentially. And that's when I started doing things that I already knew brought me joy and other whether it was Gallant Few or other stuff. But I started really doing like making Myself available, even if it wasn't something that I necess- necessarily enjoy doing as much, I still went and did it. And it was just being around the guys, or the girls, or veterans in general. It was it was fun, even if it wasn't my favorite thing to do. It was fun. So, like, I'm not a, I'm not Bryce on the rock climbing wall. I'm just not. I'm short. I'm not lanky. and And for
0: people watching this pk's actually standing up right now the chair is just behind him
1: i am not tall i can assure you (laughs) look like a bull rider walk like a bull rider i fit i fit it i'm short and, and stocky so um and when he means short i'm like five five three five four short so um but um that was you know like even though i don't Rock climbing is not my favorite thing to do, but I do. I love going and spending time with the guys with Gallant View, whether it's Zach or Bryce or Carl or or any of the other veterans that come. Uh, it's it's always fun. And, um, and and I do. I enjoy the physical aspect of it, but um, I find rock climbing a challenge. So um, but then again, that, that makes it even more fun when you've got you're essentially competing with the other guys that are there. It's you're not but it's it's unwritten but you're there competing you know who, who gets to the top and who doesn't so um but i started doing a lot of that stuff i i'm a part of a veterans horseback riding program um and and that's a a whole lot of fun i really enjoy that um but that's just that's me a lot of people don't like horses but um it's great and the horses let you know how you're feeling because they feed off of your energy and, and how you're breathing. And if you're anxious, they're anxious and all of that different type of stuff. So, um, and it, and it does, it gets me away from the business and, and everything else. And I can kind of set that aside for an hour or two at the time and, and come back to it later. Um, and that's, but the greatest, Overall, like I really enjoy not drinking. I, I know it sounds really weird, and and but one of the biggest things that I, you know, maybe I thought that the problems would go away if I would drink or whatever. But every time I sobered up, I felt like crap, and those problems were still there. And so now I just I do other things and funnel my my energies elsewhere. Spend time, you know, with with Jess and, you know, I really, gosh, her coming into my life when she did was, was, you know, amazing in itself. And, um, simply because I, every single night I stopped working just to spend some time with her. And, um uh, and I wasn't doing that before I was constant. It was always work mode constant. And so, um, and, and you do, I mean, you have to put in the time early on, but I needed, I was, I'm two years into the business now. Like I was, I needed to start slowing down a little bit. I can't couldn't burn the candle at both ends forever.
0: Uh, definitely understandable. What I kind of heard from you, PK, and a, a lot of examples uh, stemming from that that single conversation of "Are you really going to live? Would you live to honor someone? Would you live for for a greater purpose?" as you were giving the examples of things that that provided you healing. It sounds like you know a little bit of relief, and then an outlet, and then a a change. They generally involve someone else, and we're meant to be a communal people. But but we're it's easy to be introverted and say, um, well, I'm a type A introvert, so yeah. I, I don't enjoy doing that." And drinking, as much as social as drinking, over drinking generally leads to isolated drinking, right? Like yeah. so, so, even th- there's kind of like the the devil in disguise there. A, a little bit when that becomes, uh, more habitual than just social.
1: Yeah. Even, even when I first got out, it was, it was always social. It was always social. It was social on the, even on those dates, those anniversary dates, it was still social. I was at happy hour or whatever in Fayetteville. And then it just evolved over time. And, um, and it was, and I wanted to cling to things that I had in Ranger Battalion and Ranger Battalion is notorious for work hard, party hard and, or and party harder. And, I mean, they really, you know, and when I first got to Ranger Battalion, if the team leader in the barracks, if the team leader was drinking, everybody was drinking. And that was like, and, and so it just, it was a, it was a regular thing. And, uh, and I know that when we moved into the new ones, a lot of things changed about that, but it was still somewhat of a tradition type of thing. Um, and It's they cultural.
0: Of,
1: it was yeah, cultural, just, yeah. And you're
0: talking 19 to 26-year-old young men away from home. I mean, right. you can pretty much, other than folks going to like seminary. I, I think you can see where this outcome is gonna go with adventuresome folks who wanna shoot guns being put together <laughs> in barracks. Right, I, like this This is a mathematical equation at this point. This is not like, oh, what's wrong with the military? Cause that's what I hate. I hate when people say, well, you veterans or the military, red blooded 19 19- to 26 year old men.
1: Right. Wanna yeah. shoot
0: things and fight for their country? I'm to I could tell you more than just the drinking things that are probably on their mind at any one time. There's only two. Drinking's one of them, but right. like, like this isn't rocket science. Let's not right. pretend we're not human beings here,
1: right? Well, and even the conversations with the guys that I know that were married at the time or out of the barracks already for whatever reason, um, they didn't necessarily do that because they had to. You know, they had other they had other responsibilities, whether it be pets or. Or whatever, kids, or you know, so their life was different. But uh, in the barracks, that was 100. percent That was that was life. Um, and I and I could have done, and even me and some of my best friends, we could have done a better job of getting involved and doing other things in the community than what we were doing. Because um, there was tons of things to see and do. Um, granted, we had to be a lot of times. It was restricted at, as to how far we could go or whatever. But there was still stuff stuff to do that didn't involve that. And so, um, had I been a little older and wiser, would I, you know, you know, things would have been different, but, uh, but that was, access was easy. Didn't have to leave post, you know, could always find somebody to take you to the store. And so, um, and now it's a phone call away. <laughs> so it's even sure. easier. Now. So, but, uh, but yeah, no, the, getting involved in doing things where you're not uh by yourself is definitely a, a big part of it big big part of it i mean i, I have one of my dogs is chocolate lab um my ex-wife got him for me for like that was my i got out of two days after my birthday i got out of the military and she bought uh, his name's gunner she bought him for me i honestly don't know if i would be alive if it wasn't for that dog because it gave me a reason to get home every night and at a reasonable hour. So like, because when I first got out, I moved into an apartment. Well, I couldn't have a barking dog in the apartment. And so I, you know, it gave me a reason. And so that was, um, he was a great decision and, uh, and and he's awesome. So, um, but, but yeah, there was, there was a lot of things, but.
0: PK, I want to thank you for coming on. We've come to the close of our time. Wish you the best of luck at Trophy Club as you get up there and uh, speak in that uh, beautiful American town. Um, We're so proud of the way you've come. Thanks for sharing. Sharing can be hard, but sharing's Karen. It truly is, right? Like we learned that as kids, sharing is Karen, And the idea that as you've kind of evolved... Um, your your success was a journey, not a destination, and it involves others. So thank you for everything um, that you do with Gallant Few um, through, through the other organizations, and just for showing that, you know, this, okay, we're all the same, we're all introverts, we can't be in the community. That's not true. You just have to make the decision and the desire. Right.
1: Absolutely. Well, thanks, Tony, I appreciate it. And uh, it's always great to catch up with you.
0: All right, buddy. I love it. You have a great one. Give Jess my best. And for everyone else, that's going to conclude uh, this week's podcast. Thanks, PK, for, for coming on. And for everybody else, let's take just a little bit of time today to intentionally try to do something good for somebody else. Take care. Rangers be We hope you enjoyed a Morley podcast with Tony May, and we appreciate your viewership. you'd like to hear more from tony or one of his guests you can view or listen to past episodes at tonymay.podbean.com until next time be a community builder for america